Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Test, Test, and More Test. Have any of y'all been going through trials and tests lately? I know I have. I have with me on this show my very good friend, Ray Bergman, from Innocence Redeemed. Welcome to the show, Ray. Hi, Glenda. Thank you. It's always great being here. It's always great having you here. Okay, so before we start, I want to share a little story with y'all. As the Union Pacific Railroad was being constructed, an elaborate trestle bridge was built across a large canyon in the west. Wanting to test the bridge, the builder loaded a train with enough extra cars and equipment to double its normal payload. The train was then driven to the middle of the bridge where it stayed for an entire day. One worker asked, are you trying to break the bridge? No, the builder replied, I'm trying to prove that the bridge won't break. So Ray and I were talking one day about some recent tests we've been walking through and how they, you know, wear you down when the tests just keep on coming and coming and coming. And we thought you guys might also be going through tests and it might be helpful to share what we know about that. Yes, Glenda. And it's also important to cover the tests on the basis to be able to tell them apart from the attacks, such as when specific situations present themselves on a moment's notice. It's important for listeners to also understand that The tests can come out of nowhere, and they can seem like an attack, but that's not always the case. For sure, they come out of nowhere. One minute, everything in your life is normal, and the next, boom, you're in an intense testing situation that you do not remember signing up for. And on that subject, just what does a test look like? Let's look in the Word. Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Anytime we are tempted, we are also being tested. Why are we tested? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about why we are tested. And you all know our wilderness seasons are full of all kinds of tests. Deuteronomy 8.2 And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Why would our loving God want to test us? To humble us. Humility is the most beautiful quality and its opposite, pridefulness, is such an ugly one. To see if we need a wilderness season to refine the pride, etc., out of us. To see if we need to go into the tribulation when it starts, which is like kind of like the final refining period. To prove us, to see if we are ready for promotion, and to show us what is in our hearts. We may think we will keep his commandments, but will we really? Psalm 26 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins, and my heart and reins are your motivations. Many of you who have followed JPH for years have heard this story, but I'll share it for the benefit of those who have not. 
Years ago, the Lord showed me a vision that I called the proving thread. I saw a seamstress proving her thread. Proving your thread is when you thread a needle and you knot your thread, and then you stretch the thread tight between your two hands a couple of times and kind of, you know, make it taut to be sure that it won't break. We prove something to be sure it is strong enough for its intended purpose. And you know, we all have an intended purpose. And so that is what God does with us as well. He proves us by testing us like we test our thread before sewing to be sure we are strong enough for our intended purpose. God is proving our faith. This often happens when we are being tested to see if we can handle an upcoming promotion. Promotions can, but do not always, involve living on faith as opposed to living on the paycheck system. It takes a lot of faith to do that, y'all. It's one thing to think you can and to think you would. It's an entirely different thing when you are taking bills out of the mailbox and you know you have nothing coming in to pay them with every day. Having been through a fiery wilderness himself, I know Ray can attest to that. Yes, Glenda, and the fiery tests prove all of that. You know, walking through the furnace of affliction, that can be as intense as a wilderness because it actually is one of sorts. An actual wilderness is usually a time of great lack, as you know. And when the Lord first called me, I didn't understand that at first. But when you're in the world for so long and he wants you to draw near to him, that's how he gets your attention. By taking away everything you had previously and becoming totally reliant on him so he can show you he will not let you be without. Now, the affliction furnace is similar, albeit not always concerning lack. It's different in the sense that he teaches you further not to be reliant on things in the world. It can be anything from approval of others, in which an example of that is he will allow persecution to test if you will stand strong for him even when others don't agree with you. You know, in my experience, he also will allow injustices, and that's trials that require a lot of patience. And I mean, it'll just seem like nothing is working out or going right. And the reason for this is to show us that in the future, that will be needed when you can't have everything as soon as you want it. It can also be used to curb entitlement. You know, that goes back to the pride you were just talking about. We've become a society where, when you think about it, everything is instant. It's instant gratification all the time. Everything is right when you want it, right when you need it. Ever notice how... When you try to do something and you don't get cooperation, or it seems like you're pulling teeth to get it accomplished, how frustrated we tend to get. Up until now, every service, nearly every need or provision has been met instantly, as long as we can do it for ourselves, at least for most people anyway. For example, we can go to a store and find what we need, or we can order something online and have it within a day or two in most cases. But In the near future, that won't be the case. And those who are not trained in this way are going to have a really hard time contending with the reality that sets in when it does. So to put it bluntly, many will really lose their mind when their comforts and conveniences are removed, if they're not submitting to that refining now. And you'll also find that others will throw you under the bus for their own gain. I've personally seen it many times where... There were those who were supposedly my friends when things went well, but the moment things get rocky or they get just slightly overwhelmed, they aren't who they appeared to be. And they withdraw support of you. That happened to me when I went into the first wilderness I was in. And that's another thing you're shown. Who will stand with you in the fire and who won't? 
And if you think about that, you have to wonder if you're being shown who will stand with you in faith later when persecution abounds. So, you know, in other words, my friends the first time were of the world, and the Lord was showing me who they were, or showing me that I could not count on them. I mean, in other ways, will that particular person abandon God and throw you under the bus too while they're at it? And this is yet another reason I tell fellow believers we need to be careful not to lose our salt by allowing the enemy to deceive because we're also shown that a lot of things we get bent out of shape on are so trivial and then they can and do have consequences if we're not careful. So it isn't just about testing, but what the Lord is showing you. And Glinda, all that said, if you think about it, it really does show us how good we've had it throughout many decades, how much we've taken for granted, and we're coming to see that now. God can, and he does allow, what we deem to be bad things to happen, and he does so in order to show us who he really is and to show us where our faith really is. Amen. Well, you know, like you were just saying, many will say they have faith, but the purpose for the various tests and trials is to test not only our behavior, but that very faith, and where our behaviors or faith need refinement and then how much. So think about it like this. The tests and trials are the training ground for what lies ahead. They are to increase our faith. But then they're also to get us ready for when we stand before the Lord. So they are for correction and also for our protection. And those are just a few examples to begin with in uh, what you and I will be getting into today. That everything you said is so true. Having walked through numerous wilderness experiences, I can attest to Deuteronomy 8 too. In fact, if anybody asked me about life scripture, that would probably be my answer. It describes the wilderness and everything you're talking about. As I went into that first wilderness when the Lord sent me to Dallas, alone with no money, no job or anything else, it seemed that every time I turned on Christian radio, somebody was preaching on Deuteronomy 8 too. These end times seem to have catapulted many of us into a time of extreme testing. Can you relate? Are you also being tested? I hope that y'all will leave comments and share your experiences if you are. I think it helps all of us to feel less alone as we go through these. I have been tried intensely just over the past six months or so, nonstop a more intense and unyielding level than I think I've ever experienced before. Illness. Then one of my little dogs had to have emergency surgery, which included amputating part of his tail. I got a chemical burn across my entire face from just a normal everyday face cream that took weeks to heal. And, you know, the contributions dropped so low. They were like 2009, but I don't want to get on that today because we did giving recently when I first began the ministry. And so, you know, all of that together is a lot. It's a lot. And then I found out some truly horrific things. One of the things is so bad, I cannot even tell it to anyone. So I've been trying to deal with all of that and while still getting words and writing the podcast and all that. And at first I was so sad about what I found out. I just wanted to go to bed and pull the covers over my head. But of course, real life won't let us do that. And knowing some of the intense trials Ray has gone through since about June, I started to wonder is, you know, is this some kind of special extreme testing that we've not seen before? Or what is that? Ray, do you want to share about some of the tests that you've been going through lately? Well, Glenda, like you said, it's been going on since early June. And I do believe it's more extreme because just due to the time that we're in right now, I've been going through a mix of attacks, tests, and trials. 
and the Lord's been walking me through the furnace of affliction. He revealed that he was taking me through this back in May, and it started within, I believe, about a week of him revealing it to me. I mean, just one day it just started, like, all of a sudden things just got quiet and just things were not as they were the previous four months. And they started heating up. That's right. And to those unaware, I feel I should define from Scripture first what the furnace of affliction is so listeners understand, because there are a few verses, more than one actually. So let's start with the foundation of who God tests as his own. And I feel 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15, lay this out perfectly when it comes to the Lord establishing us on a firm foundation that will withstand what comes. He has to test that foundation to see if it will hold up during times of trouble and strengthen the weak points. So starting on verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Just to interject for a moment on that point, I had a dream vision a few months back where there was a wall of flames, and it didn't come near me. But moving on in the verses, Isaiah 48 verse 10, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Job 23 verse 10, But he knows the way that I take. When he tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And I put emphasis on the word tested. When he tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Psalm 66 verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So in other words, the Lord wants pure gold and silver. And that's us, not junk metals. You know, in brief, all servants of the Lord are tried in the furnace of affliction at one time or another. We're being made fit for the master's use. 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 through 21 lay this out. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So you will be tested in everything to determine if you are ready for proper use. And if you haven't been tried and tested yet, and the Lord has called you, be aware, you will be. In fact, everyone, all Christians, will be refined. Now, whether we submit now or later will determine on the difficulty. And this is why Glenda and myself tell you to constantly choose, to believe, to repent, to do right by the Lord. Most whom God is raising up for the end times have already gone through it or are going through it right now. And if they haven't yet, they will in the next season if they have chosen not to submit yet. Unless, of course, they were one of those called, but in the end were not chosen because they could not handle the refining. Which, by the way, if it's as intense as it is now, Glinda, it's going to even be more intense as we get later in the hour. That is the truth. 
You know, the Lord. That is the truth. And the tribulation is going to be the ultimate refining. That's what we need to avoid. Right. And he actually gave me a word on that called the unconventional refining. And uh, some listeners might recall that I've shared that now a few times before. But for new listeners, I will share that word again. Now, this word was given to me on July 9th, 2021. My son, you must continue to warn those I desire to save. The sadness you feel is indeed of me. It is great sadness for those who have refused my calling. You must tell my people that I desire they turn from their idols and wickedness, for I desire to show mercy unto them. They must call on me. Those who refuse my calling will face an unconventional refining in the season you have entered. It is not my will any should suffer, but this is their choice. My people, you must choose who you serve, for there will be recompense for rebellion. Now, for scripture reference, you know, similar to what I quoted from Isaiah and Job, we look to Zechariah 13, verses 8 through 9. Two-thirds of the people in the land will be cut off and die, says the Lord. But one-third will be left in the land. I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. And so, Glenda, I believe that's in reference also to what you were saying about the tribulation being the final refinement. Yes. And so, in other words, everyone will face the refining fire one way or another, either now if they submit or later when things are much less pleasant. And that's putting it lightly. Essentially, the furnace of affliction is a full onslaught of, well, for lack of a better word, affliction. You are pressed and tried in every way. The definition of afflict is to cause pain or suffering, to distress so severely as to cause persistent suffering or anguish. Quite simply, at the end of it, you are greatly humbled. It is a period of intense refining, intense training, chastening. In the end, that dross is burned away. That dross is anything the Lord wants purified or purged. Well said. And let me just say, once you've experienced the furnace of affliction and you come to understand that the Lord can put you back into that furnace anytime he wants to, it will straighten out any bad attitude you have real quick. That is what's called the fear of the Lord. Yes, Glenda, and to quote Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. And by the way, in the furnace, in that intense refining, you'll be tempted at times to give up. Don't do it. Don't listen to Satan's lie. Don't be part of the falling away Jesus warned about. I tell you this now because... All of you who call on the Lord will go through it. He has told us he will have a refined bride. He's told us he'll have the proper attire at his wedding feast. But moving on. Hebrews 12.6 For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one as he accepts as his child. I want to stop right there and make another point. To those who believe God is only love, and that you are beyond refinement, he is love, but he is righteous, and he does not love nor condone sin. I cannot say amen loud enough to that. And, you know, 
the people who stay in sin when they know these things, they scare me because that is acting like a rebellious child. You keep misbehaving because you don't really believe daddy will get the belt. He'll get the belt, y'all. Then he does, and you're angry at him when it was you that got out of line. At our house, my dad was not the disciplinarian. My mom was. But I promise you that he could not have been any scarier than she was when she was holding that belt. I'm just saying. And my mom is up in heaven listening to this, nodding her head in agreement, I promise you. And I praise God that my mom loved us enough to tan our hides when we needed it. Yes, and in the same way, God loves his children that much so as to refine them and train them to behave, to correct their errors in behavior, to live righteously. Glenda, I'm going to go back to Hebrews 12, but I also got that belt once too when I was a child for pushing my older brother into my mother's first brand new car, which she had only had for a week. Only took once to straighten me out. And you better believe getting your pants pulled down and whacked on your rear end with that belt is very painful. Now, when I got older, when I was a teenager, I had really bad grades one time. I was a daydreamer, and I didn't really like school, especially after one of my close friends moved away. I was getting bad grades primarily because I reached a point where I didn't care nor even try, and I had become very discouraged. Well, one time I took my report card to a friend's house and scanned it in, and they were able to change the grades in Photoshop, and then I reprinted it. I just didn't count on the guidance counselor calling my dad at his office a week or two later. Whoops. Well, needless to say, I don't need to go into details how angry my dad was for my lying to him. He took away nearly every single comfort you would want as a teenager. No phone. I love talking to my friends. No stereo. I used to load up my 7-disc CD changer and make mixtapes for my Walkman. No car privilege, so no going out or driving to school. Had to take the bus again. No friends allowed over. Glinda, I didn't even get to sleep in my room. I had to sleep on the couch for a month. But looking back, I gotta say I'm glad my dad grounded me because it taught me a lesson. He knew how to meet out punishment, didn't he? Oh, he said, I'm gonna fix your little red wagon. You know, during that time, I remember one Saturday morning, my dad was reading his uh, book. He used to read Chicken Soup for the Soul and have his coffee. And I happened to get up. And my dad said that he would have helped me had I just come to him. But I cared more about hanging out with my friends and doing what I wanted to do. And as a result, I lost it all for a good while. And by the way, that's exactly what happens when you go into a wilderness season. Amen. So do we believe our mighty God can't or won't do the same if we continue to walk contrary to him? He is outstretching his hand, calling us to him. He wants to help us. Will he not get out that proverbial belt to straighten out his own child? You better believe he will. He doesn't want us to be left here when everything is destroyed. We may die anyway in what comes, but at least we know our souls are prepared no matter what comes later. There are so many today who are not even disciplined or have forgotten what discipline is. There is a sense of entitlement or the I'll do whatever I want mentality. To think about it, a good portion of God's children are in fact rebellious or stubborn. And if that weren't the case, he wouldn't be sending us ahead to warn. Amen. That's a sense of pride. 
but they're going to be shown rather quickly in what comes if they choose to sit on the fence and not submit to the refining now. And that's exactly what he meant when he gave me that word on the unconventional refining. And a big issue at hand is that many don't believe God will do what his word says he will. And in essence, they're testing him. And not in the right ways, either, by doing good. Let me just give everyone something to reflect on. If the Lord puts his own servants through the refining fire, what makes anyone believe they're exempt from the same? Amen. If he doesn't refine you, I personally would be worried because he rebukes and refines all who are his. And you see, this is the problem with the mainstream church, to the degree that when you only give peace doctrines and you don't deal with the sin and reality, many are misled as a result. If you think about it, this is dangerous because when life begins to get difficult for many, and when judgments begin, as they actually have already, really, where will those people who are misled be then? They're going to be lost. They're not going to know what, what's going on. Think of those who have done an about-face when things become just slightly difficult because they haven't learned how to deal with discomfort. And that's not a judgment, but an observation. There's a difference. Judgment is condemnation. And that said, running the other way, because something is too hard, won't bode well when there's no comforts to turn to or when certain people are removed from your life. You know, again, the refinings, the tests, the trials, they're preparing us for the time ahead before he calls us out of here one way or another. 1 Peter 4, verse 17 through 18 say, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? Note that the word says judgment begins with us, and also references those who have never obeyed. Verse 18, and also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So you'll note verse 18 where the word says, if the righteous are barely saved, that indicates we as believers will undergo refining until he calls us home or gathers us. You know, we're all sinners, but our choices determine whether more or less refining is needed. And the tests, they're just a barometer in that. The tests bring to light what's really in our hearts and what needs work. It is for the better when you stop and think about it. Very well said. And that is very true. And I think anyone who is not disciplined as a child is going to have a much more difficult time understanding Father God, because that's how he works with us to take us up higher in him and in understanding who he is. There is a reason that he calls himself father. It's to help us understand who he is and how he shows his love for us. But in our world, many confuse discipline with abuse. Discipline, when done in the spirit of lovingly correcting, is not abuse. It is helping a child develop into a healthy, disciplined human being. Yes, Glenda, and many think that discipline is not loving. It's called tough love because the parent is looking to that child's future and wants to be proud of their child. Parents want to see improvement. Would we not want our father to be pleased with us? It's the same as when a parent disciplines you. They expect you to change your way. They expect you to learn and change your way. That's the point of discipline. That's the point of refining the tough love. Which brings me to continue in Hebrews 12, verses 7 through 11, 
as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. And that's what I meant earlier when I said, you know, if I wasn't being tested or if this, this or that weren't happening, I'd be a little bit worried. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? In other words, he wants us to live forever, eternally with him. And his discipline shows his love for us. Going on in verse 10, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So to get back to your original question, Glinda, what kind of tests have I had? I've experienced a little bit of everything. Number one, tests of betrayal. Many who say they're for you, but really aren't. Number two, tests of giving and helps. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So that verse speaks for itself, which then ties into point three, tests of well-doing. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Note the word says, in due season. That requires patience, and that leads me to my next point. Great patience tests. I have gone through several times of waiting on things that seem to be taking forever. Sometimes, I've waited weeks for a resolve or an answer. Sadly, as the world breaks down around us, nothing is going to be instant like it used to be. It's getting worse and worse, and God is training his people to endure extensive times of waiting. Or inconvenience. Both, actually. Point five. God may keep you in a certain place for your safety in the future. Will you grow impatient or wait on him? Glinda, I have seen people flip out when streaming video on Amazon or Netflix doesn't work. If just waiting on that one little issue agitates and folks heave and haw and pan over it, what are they going to be like when even more stuff doesn't work? Say, after a war? There are many examples of patience tests, but that's just yet another item to consider. Then we have the mercy tests. In Luke 6, verse 28, Jesus said, Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. We have to ask ourselves, can we pass the test of blessing someone who is nasty to you or helping them, though you feel they really don't deserve it because they were mean or rude to you? Can you swallow your pride and even forgive them, much less pray for them when you feel like you've been wronged? Or what about when you think you don't have enough? Are you capable of still sharing or do you have the, well, not my problem, someone else will do it attitude? Does it occur to you? that God is testing you and your faith in him, as well as following his commands. Point seven, tests of the flesh. When it gets intense, can you resist familiar comforts of the flesh, such as adulterous eyes, having a drink or two, gluttony or sexual sin? Because those are a few big ones you will be tested on among many. 
Amen to that. That is the truth. Then we have tests of the tongue. When you feel things are unfair or you're wronged, can you consistently follow the example of James 3 verse 10, which says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. So in other words, when you're pressed down in an unjust situation, can you refrain from swearing and saying other things that are displeasing to the Lord? I think we all need to ask ourselves that. I think the tests of the tongue are especially tough to pass when you're worn down, you're weary, you're short of money, and just out of patience. Oh, I agree. Well, we're also tested where our gifts are, so it's important to mention that also. So, for example, if your gift is speaking, teaching, or prophesying, you'll be tested on the tongue. God has a reason for testing and refining us in these areas, and it's because we do represent him. Point 10. Times of great isolation and prolonged silence. I would like to mention that great isolation and loneliness usually go hand in hand. I know they do with me anyway. When I lived in Princeton, I went through this and even more of it when I moved to Arkansas, which is even further out in the sticks. Princeton really wasn't. It was a metro area. In Arkansas, because the population in the northern Ozarks is so sparse, you don't just know you're alone. You feel your aloneness and the loneliness feels more pronounced to me anyway. Well, true believers especially those called to ministry or the prophetic are set apart. The Lord trains us to endure it because we are called to witness his truths. Part of this also falls in line with the patience tests. As such, commonly, we are rejected and thus trained in rejection. You know, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. So essentially, we're dying to ourselves every day to live for him, because he's living within us. We don't belong to the world, and it's actually quite rare we have that many to fellowship with. If we were part of the world, then the world would love us as one of its own. But you watch the world go by, and you see many doing what they want. But on the other hand, the Lord is showing you that as a matter of fact, many are still very much part of the filth in the world, which is why he sets us apart, because he desires us to influence them, not the other way around. So, for anyone who doesn't understand it, sit by yourself in a room, you're not allowed to go out except for essential errands. You don't have a normal job where you even interact with coworkers. You're not allowed to date. You may not even have a church near you to attend. You might have two or three friends max, but say they're about a thousand or two thousand miles away. Your phone hardly rings. No emails. You feel forgotten sometimes. It can be at times a very lonely walk to endure. I've heard many say, I don't know how you do it, Ray. And my response, I don't go it alone. There's no way I could. I endure it by the grace of God. He gives me the strength to face each day. The Lord is with me. It's the calling, and we're called to count the costs. So one more. Tests of someone else receiving what I asked for during those long times of waiting. So 
Many times I pray for prophecies. Many times I ask for fellowship. I've asked to have a new season of restoration when I feel wore down. Many times I've asked to receive a provision on something. And then I'll see someone else receive what I'm asking, but I don't see it as soon as I'd like. Now, that doesn't mean God won't come through. It just means there's a timing on it. That, too, is part of the faith and patience training. Now, during those times of testing, and I believe, Glenda, you might have referred to those once as the Joseph tests, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's the test of somebody else got my stuff. Yep. So during those times, the enemy will try to sneak in and convince you that God won't come through. But then God does come through, but in his timing. But you will be greatly tried in the waiting for him. So that's also part of those patience tests. Because, And I mentioned the patience tests a lot because those are one of the biggest ones. Can you pass the test of waiting on the Lord? Can you wait for him without complaining when you're weary? It's a tricky one at times. Psalm 27.14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He shall strengthen your heart. That is the endurance he is building by the refining, the tests, and the trials. Yeah, that uh, somebody else got my stuff test. I've been through that one when I was in the wilderness season. That's a, that's a pretty hard one. And by the way, I want to share here a lovely analogy. My friend Molly emailed when we were discussing being tested and tested and tested. She said, I think a very good analogy for the unending intense spiritual attacks is to liken it to how a diamond is formed. Diamonds are formed under extreme pressure and intense heat, taking ordinary carbon and turning it into a diamond, the hardest substance in the world. Only another diamond can stretch a a diamond. God is creating an army of believers who are so strong, they are going to be scratch resistant to the enemy, impervious and unyielding to the demonic onslaught that is coming. I really love that analogy. That is a great analogy, Glenda, because you're literally being molded under extreme pressure. And we are even more precious to God than diamonds or even the finest metals. You know, a fiery wilderness season can be the same as walking through that fire as a wilderness is a season of intense refining as well. And I want to be clear that I'm not jealous or complaining. I'm simply laying it out realistically so folks can get an idea as to what it's like to go through that type of refining. So yeah, those are some of the ones I've had to go through and that I've been tested on at times, while still fighting off the attacks, mind you. Now, you want to talk about the Olive Press. You want to talk about boot camp. Well, there you go. And honestly, I don't think I've met one person yet who has passed every single one of those tests, like you were talking about the tongue earlier. I don't think I've met one person who's passed them all with flying colors. But... Therein lies the refining part of all of it, so that you will pass the test in the future if you previously failed at it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10 says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. So whether you know it or not, even if you mess up at first, you are being not only refined, but strengthened. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, especially when greatly tried. But that is the point to refine out the dross so we reach the point where we do pass those tests. You're in that fire as training for godliness. And remember, the Lord wants to see as much of himself in us. But Glenda, I know you've been there. And so you know it's not just a test here and there. It can sometimes be literally a full onslaught at times. And it can seem unrelenting. 
And especially now, given how short time is, which is why we tell everyone to come in off the worldly playground and have been for some time. Yes, it definitely is an onslaught for sure. Have you noticed any markers that help you differentiate between when you're being refined and when you're being tested? Or do you just think that all testing leads to refining? That's circumstantial from person to person, I think, depending on what the Lord sees that they need. We're tested and the teacher's silent. If we fail that test, then we go through more refining and then get tested again. And I believe to a degree, it's also dependent on what he calls us to do. For those called to serve, it's even more intense, especially before promotion. I believe, Glenda, it's even more intense now than any other time, simply because of where we are in God's timeline. What do you think? I think there's no question we're tested very intensely before a promotion. The Lord tests us and then tests us some more. He proves us to see if we're strong enough for our intended purpose. And those of us called to serve the kingdom are tested intensely over long periods of time, I believe. Much the same as the disciples also were when they were persecuted, beaten, and jailed again and again. And I do feel how and for how long depends on our callings. For example, the Lord has let me know there are a number of willing servants he intends to exalt very high in this coming season that they may glorify him on worldwide platforms. The refining for that will be extreme and ongoing, I would think, for quite a while. Because anytime you're exalted, there are jealous parties who will try to shoot you back down. There are Jezebels who will give you ongoing trouble, fake friends who stab you in the back, etc. So you must be prepared ahead of time to withstand those things. Yes, and Glenda, I agree with that. It's about what he calls you to do, and that's how long it determines you're in it. Also, I think it's important to mention that anything we teach on or present in these podcasts, everyone ought to know that we ourselves are tested on them, as will the audience be once they hear it. So don't think that we just tell you what you need to do or what you'll go through and we don't go through it ourselves. No, nobody is beyond testing and trial. And I should mention that sometimes it's not necessarily about you. For example, let's say that it's a test of mercy. If two are involved and there's a disagreement, God can test both at the same time. So it's important that I point that out. One may be tested in mercy, one may be tested in unforgiveness. We're tested in what we decree and what we claim to believe. Tests and trials prove our faith is genuine and we believe what we proclaim and what the word says. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Anytime anyone confesses something, decreeing the word, etc., the devil is allowed to come and test you if you really believe what you say because the word of God is always tried. Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those who trust in him. Amen. And that's exactly what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned someone else receiving what you asked for and the enemy trying his utmost to convince you God won't come through. Well, Satan's a liar. And one of the things God does show you in these trials is that the Lord will do what he says. It's just up to us to believe the Lord and keep his commands even when things are strenuous because during those times of great stress is when our faith is tried the most. Remember what I said earlier about the father being pleased with his child? Well, a good way to illustrate that is who remain after the harvest. 
Isaiah 17, 6, yet glean and grapes shall be left in it as the shaking of an olive tree, two or three berries in the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in the outmost fruitful branches thereof, saith the Lord God of Israel. Essentially what that means is only a remnant remain after the shaking or the judgment. And that is why God refines and tests us ahead of time. He's testing who can withstand and continue to bear good fruit. You know, Glindo, you used the example of a diamond being molded under extreme pressure when you mentioned that email you received and the Lord molding us. He is molding us into his image more and more and making us stronger through all of it so that our faith is unshakable. When we revisit Hebrews 12, specifically verses 25 through 27, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. And brothers and sisters, there is a great shaking coming. When you are being refined, when you're being tested, stop to consider what God is showing you. That's what verse 25 means when it says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, because some tests and trials, they will really press on you. They can shake you, but it's for the Lord's glory, his purpose. 1 Peter 4.16 says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So indeed, that shaking has already begun, and only firm foundations shall remain. And understand that what you're going through is not without purpose. And Glenda, speaking of the shakings, I think you even had a word on that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think we had a number of words about the shakings. Um, I'm going to read one from March 2019 called The Order of Things, because it actually tells the order of the shakings that will come in. My children, I am shaking your world again, and this will be a longer shaking than before and through many levels. In this shaking, I am shaking from the top down. Watch for the shaking to start among your leaders. And I had made a note on there that I saw a blender bottle being shaken up. One of those lidded cups that you make healthy shakes in. It was just shaking, shaking. It was shook really hard. I will shake nations next and you will see volatility in the nations. Sudden change will come. Tempers will rise. This is a dangerous time for all mankind because man's anger is not righteous, but rooted in flesh. Next, I will shake the order of all things. You are seeing this even now in your weather, but this shaking will bring grave consequences for I will shake and change the weather to make it far more unpredictable than before. And, you know, I just want to note here, I have been seeing that for years. I have seen more and more intense, horrific storms coming, uh, tornadoes and hurricanes of strengths we have never seen before. Storms will rise out of nowhere, very fierce storms and the storms will be far more intense than ever before. That's what I've seen. Many will die because of this, the change in the order of the storms. But I have designed this shaking to cause many to call upon my name and those who do will be saved. Lastly, I will shake the earth. I will shake the earth violently. 
so that man will beg the mountains to fall on them for fear. Nothing will be sure, not the sun, not the moon, not even the ground you stand on. I have designed the end that men would look to me for help, that they would cry out to me. Those who know me well will not see these harsh tribulations, for I will call you home to me. Pray without ceasing for those you love, that they do not see this time to come, for it is designed to terrify those who deny me. Have you noticed, Glinda, that even as the storms are getting more intense, it's explained away like it's just it's changing of the earth. It's just this. It's just that. Global warming. Uh huh. You know, that word the Lord gave you in 2019 is so fitting. And it's an excellent example of what I was talking about. And the Lord wasn't kidding when he said men's hearts would fail them for fear of looking after the things coming up on the earth. And mountains will be moved eventually. And that's aside from any celestial body coming in. I was just going to say, that's going to be a fearful thing to see. Not only the storms coming, but when you see planets coming in and things like that will be very fearful. I cannot imagine what that will look like. Many individuals have had dreams and visions of an asteroid. I know I shared one the Lord gave me where smoldering rocks were falling out of the sky back in January in a series we both did titled, What the Lord Showed Us About the End Times. How long we're here, or if we're here, I don't know. But I'm of the belief we're going to see some of it. I think we already are starting to see some of it, like you were just saying. God's word does say there will be a remnant before the end of all things. And that's another reason for the fiery trials. To not only prepare his body, but those he has called. Because when these things begin, you'll be glad he readied you. That part about the tempers flaring, that's another reason for the patience tests. There will be great injustice and great inconvenience. We'll be glad we had that patience training and that he strengthened us to set our faces like flint. Because, you know, if you refuse that refining now, when things are rationed or scarce, you may be more tempted to fall away and take the mark. So that's just a thought everyone needs to consider. That's an excellent point, Ray. You know, as I was beginning to write this podcast, I came across some words. And I was really surprised to realize what the Lord had foretold us about this end time time of testing. Let me give some examples. I don't want to read too many, but September 10th, 2021, a word called required to choose. My people are in a time of testing. Your responses to these tests will determine your level of blessing in this time. In many of your lives, I will require you to choose whether to be with someone you love or to obey me and leave them to do my will. My son Jesus had to pass this test. My servant Abram also did. I am causing you to choose my people that you may see if your heart is where you think it is. I am causing you to choose that your hearts may be free from idolatry. And another word dated November 15, 2017, called Waves of Trials. My people have entered a time of great testing, intense trials and attacks. Come in waves at you from every side as you near the end of all things. These trials also affect unbelievers, and many will become discouraged in times to come. As their trials intensify, a wave of suicides will take place. I desire my people would pray against these souls being lost to the kingdom of darkness. I desire my people would praise me in the trials and rejoice, for your time on earth is nearly done, and you will be tried no more. Your redemption draweth nigh, my children. 
and one, this one's kind of long, but August 3rd, 2012, you are entering a new time of testing. So God foretold all this testing, y'all. I had been praying about a new wave of attacks by the enemy against relationships at that time in the body of Christ when the Lord began to speak this word. Yes, my children, the enemy comes with great vengeance to attack your homes, your relationships, your workplaces, all that you hold dear. You must be more vigilant with each passing day over what is sacred to you, over your relationship with me, over those you love, over your safety, for he has many more attacks planned against you, against all my people. The days you are living in on the earth are dark indeed, but they will get but they will grow much darker before the end of time. You will all face situations you never dreamed you would be faced with. Situations so desperate and wicked, your mind will struggle to grasp them. I shall protect you in these days if you are walking closely with me, for I always protect my own. But those who know me not shall suffer great loss in those times. You are entering a new time of testing now, my children. What you are being tested on now matters more than ever before, for the enemy seeks to destroy you, and the test you now face decide what in your lives he will gain access to. It is your response to my test that decide this for you. Will you give him access to your body, your mind, your marriage? Will you give him access to destroy all I have called you to do, to the ministries I have called you to? Any area of your life where you are not walking in my ways is open to him. I have given you much time to repent. I have pleaded with you to come aside with me, to lay down your sins and walk wholly before me. Many of you have refused to hear and obey. In this time, the enemy shall be allowed to sift you due to your disobedience to my commands. You have chosen this hard path for yourself. This was not my desire for you. My children who walk wholly before me shall have a much easier path in this time. The more you strive to walk in my ways, the more I can bless you. I will not bless disobedience to me or my commands. It is time for you to choose. Every choice you make counts either for or against you. You either draw closer to me, the rock of your salvation, or you go more into darkness for eternity. Which will it be, my child? Will you trade an eternity with me for the fleeting pleasures of your flesh? To summarize, some of the things that we get tested on include sin, things that we used to sin in. Let me read you an excerpt from a word called a terrible price for sin dated November 6, 2020. My children, you will pay a terrible price for sin in the time coming. Your sins in that time and as you enter that time will draw devils to you. You cannot imagine, and they will be permitted to torment you. You must realize you will witness new evils, never so much as imagined. Set your heart to obey me in every way and do it. You will be very glad you did. I just want to mention here that for some time now, for several years at least, no more than that, I have seen in the end times people being able to see the demonic. And I'm talking about people other than the people who walk very closely with God, I'm talking about people who are not even believers now. So not only will the demons be able to torment them, but they will be able to see what is tormenting them. And that is going to be terrifying. It's going to be like an unending horror show. So I just want to mention that. Everything hidden will be revealed. Amen. And from testing and retesting dated November 2nd, 2020, you will be retested 
in old areas of temptation to show you what is in your heart, whether you will obey my commandments or choose your own way. If you fail again, you will undergo more training. The time is coming soon where there will be no more testing and all you have learned will be put to the final test. I desire my children would choose right and pass these tests. Then we have obedience. Um, Are we going to live the Lord's word? Does he see himself in us, in our actions? Do we follow what the apostles say as Christians? Do we follow in the Lord's ways? Pride. Do we have a problem with pride? Do we have unforgiveness? Do we have bitterness? Do we expect to always get our way? Are we vengeful? That's Yeah, amen. That's another one. Do, do we set attacks against people we're jealous of? Because I know people who are doing that. Trusting him. Do you trust him to be your provision? Do you trust him to protect you? Do you trust him to deliver you from evil? Patience. Patience is one of the big tests you will be tried in. And that is also in regards to trusting him, no matter what you're going through. Giving. Will you continue giving according to the word, no matter what is happening? Serving. Are you serving others as though you would serve the Lord? Idolatry. Who or what is really your God? Who or what are you really serving? Is it who you think? You know, Glenda, you had a word that the Lord gave you called required to choose, and it was dated September 10th, 2021. I am causing you to choose, my people, that you may see if your heart is where you think it is. It's what I was referring to earlier when I said it reveals what's in your heart when you are tested, and then you're refined if it's an issue of the heart or a matter of the heart. The tongue, we covered this earlier, complaining, gossip. That's one of the seven tests the Lord reveals in the wilderness. Anger and strife. Will you walk in humility, or do you constantly get angry and strive against others? Fear and anxiety. Like, I don't know, rising prices, persecution. Do you really trust him? Because trust overwrites fear and anxiety. Silence from the Lord. During the test, there is great silence. Sometimes silence doesn't always indicate there's anything wrong. You could be doing a great job. I've wondered about that. When I, when I get a lot of silence, like if I'm asking about things and he's silent for a long time, because when it started back in June for me, when I started at the furnace, he was not speaking for about a good month and a half. Because I was even praying for words and I was not getting them. But I trucked on. I kept going. Injustice. It's not fair, or doing more than your fair share of something. That can lead to bitterness. Love. Can you tolerate being taken for granted, used, taken advantage of? That falls in line with mercy. And you know the Lord's number one commandment was to love one another and to be merciful. Judging people. Do you have preconceived notions of others? Do you even practice silent judgment or give people the silent treatment? That is an element of pride, by the way. Unforgiveness. Will we forgive as the word says we must? Because anyone who does not forgive is not getting into heaven. Period. The word of God says that. And unforgiveness is also 
a pride thing. And by the way, we'll take the Judas test. And I kind of went through the Judas test when, we, when I was doing high place warriors and I won't labor over that again, but it's pretty ugly and it's not any fun. It's very painful. And the Lord gave me a book about it called the Judas test. And if you don't know how to respond to that, one, it's very important, you know, going into this time and you can read that book and find out it's out on Kindle too. You know, often it's a challenge to do that his way, but it becomes easier each time that we do it. And faith, we are tested on whether we really believe what God said and what his word says. And by the way, faith is what you will need to resist the mark, even though it may mean dying a martyr's death by starving to death for the glory of God. Test of the blessing. Have you ever gone through a time in your life when you were just blessed every time you turned around? Money was plentiful. You were being given gifts. You received things that you needed. Sudden windfalls. People just blessing you. This can be the test of the blessing. In the test of the blessing, God is watching to see if you can handle more blessings more often. But many will fail this one right out of the gate. They hoard the blessings. They complain instead of being thankful. And they're just unconcerned about anyone but themselves. The word says we are blessed to be a blessing. And that means he gives us more so we can give to others. So if you flunk the test of the blessing, he moves on to the next person and gives more to them instead of you. And he takes you into the wilderness for a few lessons. You know, I've been asked many times, what is the difference in a test and an attack of Satan? I'm going to give my opinion on that. And then maybe Ray would like to give his. A test is trying. It's tiring. It's exasperating. It's passable, but intensely uncomfortable. You may try to fight it, but it will persist. An attack usually comes in like an, un, you know, an undetected missile. It blindsides you. It hits you hard and it can be overwhelming. You try to fight it, but it keeps on coming and increases because Satan sees you trying to wriggle free. But to me, the key difference is an attack is taking you towards destruction where a test is not. What do you see as the differences, Ray? Well, I agree with what you said about an attack leading you to destruction. It can be discouraging. It can be doubt, high amounts of anxiety or fear in various situations, such as lack in what's coming or the future and so on and so forth. And there can be many at once, too, so as to try to overwhelm you. Because remember, Satan wants nothing more than to try and get us to slip up so he can point the finger. And this is the reason we point out the righteous ways as written in the words so you know to avoid the temptation to react in the opposite way of what he's trying to get you to think. You want to walk in God's way. The attacks can be hard sometimes to tell them apart from tests because they often come around the same time where we're already going through something, being tested, and then we're feeling worn down. You got to remember that the enemy is a snake and loves to slither in there and try to get us mad at God. He will use those also closest to us to do it as well. Sometimes even manipulating both parties, and I've experienced that now a few times, especially in the Christian body. And that's why you and I put out the attack podcast first so that people could be aware of those attacks before we did this one on test so the listeners could discern the difference between the two. Yes. Before we close... I want to read a word the Lord gave us that sounds like he is speaking to us right now, but it's not from right now. I've not reposted it yet because it seemed to be a word talking about a past upcoming new year. 
that being 2012. It's dated October 1st, 2011. But you know, the words, Lord's really are timeless. I will read it and let's see what you think about it. It's called, This Will Be a Year of Turning. The Lord had been silent for a couple of weeks and I was making coffee one day when he began to speak. Um, it was around the Jewish New Year. This year will be a year of great change for my people. I am calling you out. My people have remained hidden, but no more. I'm calling you to witness for me, to repent on behalf of your cities, your nations, to cry out to me for mercy, for my judgments are falling and you will see them increase this year. Nations that have turned from me shall suffer great loss. Nations that refuse to know me greater still. This shall be a year of turning. And in my spirit, I saw a sifting taking place. Everything that was sifted went either left or right. And I knew that either Every person would get better, closer to the Lord, or they would get worse, more worldly because of the great adversity that's coming. My people will either turn to me or from me as adversity increases in the earth. Some of you are ready for what is coming. Most are not. Readiness in your spirits consists of coming before me daily in repentance, seeking my face, seeking my will in all things, abiding in me. Most of you abide in the world and visit me. I desire you do the reverse. In what is coming, the world cannot save you. It has become a snare to you, my people, for you do not see through its embellishments to the one who tempts you with worldly things. And I was thinking about that word embellishments as he was speaking, and I remembered a vision called the conveyor belt vision that he had shown me back in about 2000 when I was uh, driving into Dallas. The people's cars were on a conveyor belt and they were smiling and they had this real fake plastic smile like, yes, everything's great. I'm happy. And they were driving towards or not driving. They're being taken on the conveyor belt towards this big screen that had the illusion on it. And just before the screen, there was a big pit that they all fell off into in their cars. And Satan was behind the screen laughing. Later, I looked up the word embellish in the dictionary and found it made perfect sense. It said to decorate or adorn, to improve by adding details, often fictitious. In this coming year, many who are prepared will be placed on the forefront. These are those who have submitted to my preparation and refinement for years and have passed the test and been found faithful. I shall now greatly reward you for your efforts to be and stay in my will for your lives. For those who have refused, there will be further testing. Some of you will suffer greatly because you did not obey me when you knew I was calling you. You thought to yourselves, let someone else do it. And so your brothers and sisters have a heavier load. You expect me to bless you in spite of your disobedience, but you will now pay the price. Everything you have, I have given to you, yet you refuse me. If you have your health, it is by my decree. If you are prospering, I have ordained it. If your family is well, I have blessed them. Yet you take your ease and leave the load for someone else to carry. This year you shall feel my hand of judgment upon you for your disobedience. My blessing shall no longer rest on those who refuse to share the load. For those of you who have given, I have seen your every sacrifice and you will now start to see tangible rewards for your obedience to me. As you see others decrease in adversity, I will spare you and I will bless you and I shall increase you miraculously and you shall marvel and praise my holy name even more. And you shall know that my hand of blessing is truly upon you. Many of you have refused to stop giving even when you yourselves were in need. You will receive the greatest blessings of all. 
you shall know my glory. I has not seen nor ear heard the blessings I have in store for my people in this time. Yes, there will be disasters. Yes, there will be hardship, but my glory shall outshine it all. My children, you do not know the greatness of the hour in which you live. Your minds cannot comprehend all that is about to happen in the earth and in the heavenlies. Keep my word and my son's name ever before you in this time. It shall lead you and guide you into all you need to know. There is much more coming in the world than my children realize. But when you abide in me, you are always prepared. For I myself shall cause you to be ready. I myself shall bring you all you need. There is no need for fear of what is to come. Keep your eyes on me. Do you think I will not care for my own? Do you think if you give to my work, I will let you be without? If you are about your father's business, do you think I will leave you in lack? No, my children, for I am faithful to watch over my word and perform it at all times. Indeed, as you sow into my kingdom, I shall sow back into your lives all you can ever need and more. Be found in me as my judgments fall. Be found obeying me in all things and walking in my ways. Do not be found in the world, but in me. Abide in my word and obey it, and you shall not be in the world. Separate yourselves to what I have called you to do and seek my face daily. Repent daily for your sins. Seek to please me in all things. Do not follow the ways of the world, but be found in my ways. That is actually a very serious word, but there's also a lot of words of blessing in that for those who are doing as they're supposed to be. And that's what we covered earlier. You know, are we living in the ways of Jesus? Are we living in the ways of the apostles? You know, my final um, comments on this podcast, just to take this podcast in a constructive and positive manner. You know, don't get offended at God sending his messengers ahead of time to warn you of the do's and the don'ts. Because just remember, all of us, if we're not being attacked, we're being refined and tested too. Many have had to go through the ringer, or they're walking through the fire, or they have walked through the fire. And Glenda, I don't know about you, but I know I'm ready for a new season. I am most definitely ready for a new season, as soon as the Lord will let me have one. Ray, thank you so much for taking your time to share your wisdom and knowledge with the listeners. They always learn so much when you guest on JPH. Linda, thank you so much for having me today. It's always an honor to guest on JPH. Would you like to give the listeners your information so they can find your website or, site or um, contact you? Sure. Well, listeners can visit and contact me through my blog, and that is www.innocenceredeemed.blog. And if you navigate to the About page and then scroll down to the bottom, there is a contact form there. And any entry you put in there comes to me directly. Okay. Well, that's all we have for y'all this week. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to you and that you will recognize what you are being tested on and pass all your tests with flying colors. And while we were writing this podcast, I decided to look up the meaning of the idiom flying colors. Since I use that all the time, I should know what it means, right? I love learning the meanings behind phrases like that, the stories behind hymns, the biblical history behind things in the Bible. It makes everything so much more interesting. So let me share with you this. The meaning of flying colors is complete success. That's from the Merriam-Webster. Plansponsor.com put it this way. It derives from when ships would return home with their colors, which is another word for flags, flying to show they had been victorious. A ship that had been unsuccessful would take down its flags. Let's make it our goal to walk into heaven with flying colors, y'all. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? you may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are often times of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21-32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. 
precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?